Good morning, Boker Tov, buenos dias, sabah l'cher. This is Shanna Folds here with the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. You're listening so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Monday, November 2nd, 2020. Let's get to the news. This Friday, Israel paid its respects to an iconic figure. Thousands gathered nationwide to celebrate former Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, a man who had a clear vision for peace. Friday was the 25th Hebrew anniversary of his death. He died on November 4th in the Gregorian calendar. Rabin was shot dead in the plaza next to Tel Aviv's City Hall. Today, it's known as Rabin Square. Rabin was killed by a Jewish extremist who was against his efforts to create peace with Palestinians. Many feel his death is the reason the two peoples are still at odds today. 25,000 candles were lit in honor of the 25 years. Also on Friday afternoon, tens of thousands gathered at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem despite coronavirus guidelines. Muslim worshippers packed into the holy site as they marked Maulid, the birth date of the Prophet Muhammad. Among them, thousands were there to protest the French government and Emmanuel Macron's vow to protect people's rights to draw the Prophet Muhammad. Although Muslims strongly oppose drawing the prophet, the French government has defended its position on the subject. The Jerusalem municipality released a statement that blamed the police for not stopping this mass gathering. The statement said, In the midst of severe restrictions aimed at cutting the chain of infection, particularly in the Arab community, we are puzzled by the decision to allow thousands of people to gather at the Temple Mount. That is very irresponsible. That's what the city said. In late August, a Palestinian man, Khalil Abd al-Khalik Dwaikat, was accused of stabbing Israeli rabbi Shai Ohayon to death in a terror attack in Petah Tikva. Dwaikat was captured soon after the stabbing, which was caught on camera. Last week, Dwaikat's family's appeal to the High Court of Justice was rejected, and early this morning, the Israeli military destroyed his home in the West Bank. A riot broke out during the demolition, during which the IDF says about 150 Palestinians burned tires, threw stones and glass bottles filled with paint. IDF troops responded with riot dispersal weapons, and at least one Palestinian was injured. Israeli authorities often take punitive action, like destroying the family home of attackers, even before a conviction comes out. Jerusalem defends this controversial practice as its supporters say it's a means of deterring future assaults. Yesterday morning, two Israelis were given the first doses of Israel's candidate coronavirus vaccine, BreLife, which was developed by the Israel Institute for Biological Research. This marks the beginning of the phase one human trial. The first volunteers are 34-year-old Anar Otelengi, who was vaccinated at Hadassah University Medical Center in Jerusalem, and 26-year-old Segev Harel, who was vaccinated at Sheba Medical Center in Tel HaShomer. Otalengi, a doctoral student in immunology at Ben-Gurion University of the Negev, said he felt good and excited. He says, I want to encourage as many people as possible to join the experiment and help the entire public. Depending on the responses of these first two volunteers, 80 healthy volunteers between the ages of 18 and 55 will gradually receive this vaccine starting on Tuesday. 
Some will receive a placebo. Each volunteer will be monitored over the course of three weeks to determine if there are any side effects. Researchers will also examine whether volunteers develop antibodies. Netanyahu, for his part, says he is using his connections with world leaders so that Israel will be at the front of the line to receive vaccines from other countries. Israel has already signed contracts with American vaccine makers Arcturus and Moderna, and the Mossad has brought China's vaccine to Israel so that Israel can study and learn from it. Bibi says he'll make sure enough vaccines are brought in for all of Israel's citizens, and he says he's also ordered for the permanent production of vaccines within the country. Defense Minister Benny Gantz says everyone should practice cautious optimism because this could be a very long process. Well, the rains are back in Israel, and if you know something about Israel, you'll know this country is not equipped for dealing with rain. Late Sunday night and into the early hours of Monday morning, southern areas within Israel received heavy flooding. The flooding represents a change of season in the country. Some intersections were closed due to so much standing water from the flooding. In the south, Route 90 was closed off in both directions from the Ein Gedi intersection to the Dead Sea. Last year, people died from flooding within the country. It was very, very tragic, and I hope we can avoid that this year. I hope not one single person dies from weather-related issues this year. Now, we are getting close to elections here in the USA. I live in Tel Aviv, but I have come into New York City for a family affair, and I'm staying throughout the elections. Tomorrow, I'll be heading down to Washington, D.C. to cover the elections at the White House and, of course, dig into how the results could affect Israeli policy. But before I go, we are going to have some analysis from our political commentator, Rabbi Yehuda Hakohen. Hakohen is a leader in the vision movement and works to empower young Jews to become active participants in the current chapter of Israel's story. Okay, Rabbi, thank you for joining me. We've been friends and colleagues, I could say, for a long time. And uh, it's very, very good to have you on the show and to work together in, a, in this media platform. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. So today we are going to listen to a few clips, voices of the people of Tel Aviv, how they think things are happening in the election, what they foresee for the future, what their feelings are, and we're going to have you comment on it and and bring a little bit of knowledge into it. Sure, looking forward. Okay, so first off, let's play this clip when we asked somebody about the U.S.-Israel relationship. Okay. And just so I know, these are all Israelis being asked, correct? Yes. Well, these are Israelis. We, you know what? I can't promise their citizenship, but I can tell you that they were on the streets of Tel Aviv. Ah, Tel Aviv. These are all Tel Aviv. These yes. Are all Tel Aviv responding to your questions. Yes. Okay, great. I'm ready. First of all, who do you hope to win the election? Biden. And why? Uh, anyone but Trump. <laughs> who do you think is better for Israel? Oh, God. That's too complicated. Money-wise, if we just say, like, money, who's going to give more money? It's probably Trump. Uh, but um, I don't think we're, uh, you know, we're connected. And the whole world is, is at harm right now from Trump. So I think, so isn't, Israel isn't the, the, the issue right now. And what do you think about the fact that American elections so greatly impact Israeli policy? Well, Israel's like, uh, I don't know how you say it in English. It's like a mini mini state 
it's like it's it wouldn't exist without America's support. So that's why it's so important. So what do you think about what she said as Israel is a mini state? Well, I think that's precisely the problem. I think um, there is a mentality that Israel or especially Israelis in Tel Aviv tend to want to see themselves as an outpost of Western civilization instead of actually an organic part of the region we're in. And I think that that type of thinking needs to dissipate as we continue along our path of liberation. You know, in 1948 and again in 1967, we experienced a tremendous material liberation, but we still need, you know, to uh, decolonize internally and to start to see ourselves as independent and to want to be independent and to not uh, continue trying to attach ourselves to the, you know, greatest empire we can find. Now, there's another interesting thing that this woman says in this clip. She, she, if we heard her say that Trump could be good for Israel, but Biden is good for the rest of the world. It's really interesting to hear Israelis be, have the capacity to really think for the larger globe, not just what's going on in their day-to-day society, in their country. How do you respond to that? First of all, I think it's a very positive development that we're transcending from just like a narrow particularist nationalism that's like very self-absorbed to a universalism where we care about the rest of the world and and i think that's obviously a positive thing in our development Uh, at the same time whether or not trump or by whether trump or biden are better for the for the rest of the world the international community is a good question because on the one hand um trump doesn't seem to be capable or even interested in confronting the challenges posed by covid19 or climate change uh, and he, but at the same time, he's also bungled a lot of, you know, like for example, attempted coups in Bolivia and uh, Venezuela. So in a way, you know, Biden, a Biden presidency might be much more competent in terms of confronting climate change and the coronavirus, but at the same time, it might also be more competent in terms of, you know, the classic American imperialism and in interfering in other countries and overthrowing governments in order to advance the interests of, you know, U.S. corporations. So it, it's really six of one, half dozen of another. Uh, when it comes to Israel, I think there's a strong argument to be made that it's often the less friendly U.S. president who is ultimately better for us. First of all, because it fosters within us a desire for independence when we perceive the U.S president to be hostile. Uh, And if you look at all of the US presidents who've been successful in forcing us to give up territory, uh, they've been ostensibly friendly, especially George W. Bush. You know, George W. Bush was able to force us to give up Gaza. And I'm concerned that Trump uh, is planning, you know, he already has a plan on the table that calls for us to give up 70% of the West Bank. And I'm concerned that he will try to push us through, push that through, and that we will not have the strength to resist Whereas uh, Joe Biden presidency would first of all have to come up with a new plan. I don't see the Biden, uh, I don't see a Biden administration actually adopting Trump's plan. I think they would have to create a new plan first of all. So although, although Joe Biden might like the state of Israel a lot less than Donald Trump does, it doesn't necessarily make him the more dangerous candidate because Trump already has a plan on the table that calls for major concessions. And because he, appears to be so friendly, I imagine that our political leadership, especially if Bibi Netanyahu is still our prime minister, will have a lot of trouble resisting. Whereas a Biden 
administration, which we anyway perceive as hostile, uh, I think would be much easier to resist. And they would have to take the time to create a new plan because I just don't see the Biden administration adopting Trump's plan. Do you want a new plan? I want no plan. I don't want the Americans telling us what to do here. So I want to remind that we are asking people who they hope to win, which candidate would be better for Israel, and if they think it's okay that American elections so greatly impact Israeli policy. Now, I'm actually going to play this clip. So my first question is, who do you hope to win the election? Trump. Trump, and why is that? Because he and the baby friends. <laughs> okay. Because so of that. Because of that. Yeah. And well, my next question is, which candidate do you think is better for Israel? Ah, the two. Trump. And why do you think so? Because they're friends of baby and because of their peace. This woman says that she believes in Trump because of his friendship with Bibi. And she mm -hmm. thinks that that is a strong reason why we need Trump in office for another four years. How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, my position is that we shouldn't support any candidate in the U.S. elections with Israel's interests at heart. Israel doesn't need a good emperor. Israel needs freedom. Israel needs independence. And independence begins with a desire for independence. I think that... Um, Netanyahu, first of all, we're not sure how long Netanyahu is going to last politically on our end. And we're also not really aware what their relationship truly is. Um, there have been indications that the relationship is not as good as often presented to the media. Uh, so I wouldn't count on that, especially given the fact that Trump believes very strongly, I think, that Netanyahu owes him big. And we don't want to get into a situation with a second term Trump who already has a plan on the table, the, you know, a, a plan on the table, the deal of the century that essentially would force us to give up 70% of the West Bank. Um, we, we don't want a second term Trump presidency aggressively pushing such a plan in a political climate where Netanyahu ex feels himself to owe Trump a lot and Trump definitely believes that Bibi owes him big. That's definitely cause for concern in any relationship, anywhere, you always want two people to be equals and for the relationship to be mutually beneficial. So that I think that that's something that people are not necessarily seeing right now, and it could come back to harm in the future. Right. So I'm going to bring us to our next clip where this woman just comes outright and says this. Not Trump. Not Trump. Yeah. Okay, why is that? Because we think Trump is a moron. Sorry. It's okay, whatever you feel. No, I just don't think he should be a president, that's it. And which candidate do you think is better for Israel and why? People say that Trump is good to Israel, but I don't care. I don't, I don't care that it will be bad to Israel as long as this person will not be the president. So I hope it will be Biden. 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 And my last question is, what do you think about the fact that American elections so greatly impact Israeli policy? Um, I think that, you know, they, they call America Uncle Sam for a reason, probably. So maybe uh, it has a good reason, but still we're an independent uh, country. So we better be a bit uh, without it, without this uh, connection. So what do you, how do you respond to her? She, first of all, she uses some strong words. And second of all, she says we'd better be independent. Can you speak to that? I, I think we absolutely, first of all, I don't think Trump is a moron. 
I think that Trump is a man who's, who's for the most part been successful in everything he's done, whether it's business, entertainment, even becoming president of the United States. So calling someone like that a moron just, just seems whatever. <laughs> he definitely presents himself as a moron on social media. I think that uh, her desire for independence is of course healthy. Uh, we, should, we should desire independence, you know, primarily because we should want independence. Like we came back to life in order to be something, in order to do something, in order to be a leader on the world stage. And you can't be a leader on the world stage while you're completely subordinating yourself to a foreign power. Um, so the desire for independence is definitely healthy and it makes me happy to hear that coming out of people in Tel Aviv, uh, not just Jerusalem and not just uh, Judea, Samaria, but even Tel Aviv. And uh, also I would say there are reasons why we, want, we should want to get free like above and beyond the healthy desire to be independent and fully express your national, you know, your national character on the world stage. And that is, first of all, the United States is clearly an empire in decay and there's no reason to attach ourselves to, to an empire that's in decline. Uh, second of all, um, we don't know what the future of American politics look like. You know, we definitely don't want to be militarily or economically dependent uh, to, a, to a power with such an unstable political system. We don't know who the next president is going to be. We don't know who the president is going to be after that or after that. And if we look at the political trajectory of the United States, uh, it doesn't look like the politicians of a decade into the future will be so friendly to Israel. So we might as well work towards independence right now. And, uh, and also we have to ask ourselves, what has the relationship actually been doing for us? I mean, even if you look at the Abraham Accords, this like Trump brokered peace deal in the Middle East, which might be better than all of the other American brokered peace deals in the region until now, it's still essentially a way to increase U.S. hegemony and U.S. arms sales in the region, whether it's F-35s to the United Arab Emirates, whether it's F-22 Raptors, you know, to Israel. At the end of the day, the big winners of, you know, this peace deal is Lockheed Martin. Yes. Absolutely. Money talks. Excellent. Now, do you have any final remarks? I think that ultimately, you know, the way to achieve peace, and I'm personally very involved in this, in, in peace work on the ground, is for Jews and Palestinians to get together and actually uh, engage each other, engage each other's identities, engage each other's narratives without fear, and try to create a solution here that really addresses the grievances and aspirations of both sides. Uh, and not just an American imposed peace that increases weapon sales to the region. Do you have a um, prediction for who's going to win the election tomorrow night? I, I honestly don't. N nor, do, nor do I have a very clear prediction for how either scenario will impact American society. I mean, there could be civil war for all we know. I think there, America, the United States is so polarized right now that anything can happen, especially if, if the race is close. Um, Excellent. Do you have any final remarks that you want to leave us with? I think that ultimately we should be thinking of uh, what's next for the Jewish people. What are the next goals of Jewish liberation? What are the next objectives to achieve in Jewish history? And really work, to the, work towards those. I personally have identified both peace with the Palestinians in the broader region and independence from the United States as two major objectives of Jewish history, this chapter of Jewish history. And rather than concern ourselves with who wins the US presidential election, we should be concerning ourselves with how we're gonna get free and become the, the people we're supposed to be now that we're back on the stage of history.
Excellent. So succinctly put, so direct. I, I love the line of vision. It's totally not what people are talking about right now. And I well, think it's very line, important. If you like the line of vision, check out Vision Magazine at visionmag.org. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. All right. Well, that's it for today's news. Today is Monday, November 2nd, 2020. We have a low of 19 degrees Celsius and a high of 26 degrees in Tel Aviv. That's 67 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 78 degrees in the central city. Don't forget, subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. Now, I'm very excited because today I am enabling for the first time a link for my listeners to be able to support the show. Some of my listeners have reached out to me and asked me how they can support me. And this is one way you can support financially. There is a link on the show in the show notes. You can click on it. It will take you to a page where you can send over some money. And that would be greatly appreciated. As you know, I spend a lot of time and effort on this show. And I think of it as my service to the universe. That is really how I feel about it. So the link is there if you would like to send over some cash. I'll send you off with a song from an immigrant to Israel. Her name is Batya Perlman. Batya recorded this song and has never shared it. She's an observant Jew and asks that any men who are listening to this podcast kindly turn off the song. Those who observe Judaism's intricate laws do not allow men to hear the voice of women if it's a solo, because this could be considered immodest. Here's Silent Reality. Have a great and productive day. Lying down after a long day Listen to the music Outside my window pane And I'm lost in a chaos of lyrics Cause they're jumbled in my head I hear the noise inside me instead I found a map to an island Resting in the middle of the sea Child told me there I'd find good company Now I'm here All that I see Silent reality Lying down, down, down After a long, long day I'm so drunk with exhaustion My thoughts run in circles And some of them run away The noise from within And the noise from outside Is driving me insane Where's the silence? Where's the silence? I used to call my name Where's the silence? Where's the silence? I used to call my name I found a map to an island 
Doesn't know she means the world. 